0: This week in Startups, the Power of Accelerator series is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. To post a healthcare or essential service job for free, visit linkedin.com power. And Twilio runs an amazing program for startups that includes a $500 getting started credit, access to webinars made exclusive for startups, and full support via their Twilio Startups team. Sign up now at twiliostartups.com slash twist. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. We're recording this in month three of the global coronavirus pandemic, and we're hoping everybody who's listening to this is safe and your family's safe. And uh, if you are going back to work uh, or going out, please wear a mask. That seems like a no-brainer. And, um, you know, we we are very concerned about people's lives. We're also uh, now starting to see people's livelihoods being impacted. Uh, and as predicted, uh, this is having just a tragic uh, impact on society. And the suffering from losing a job um, is... Not exactly comparable to, uh, you know, being sick and in the ICU, obviously, um, stating that, stating the obvious, but uh, we are seeing, sadly, you know, uh, people uh, falling into depression, mental illness is spiking, and sadly even suicides, um, and we're starting to just start to see that, and that is very concerning to me, um, but one thing that does give me hope is that in these other down markets, I've seen when there was despair, when there was... Serious unemployment. Startups tended to lead the way out, and new companies and the entrepreneurial spirit is what creates opportunity in the world, creates jobs. And over the last greater than a decade, actually, uh, now I think going on maybe close to 15 years, David Brown and Dave Cohen um, have been working tirelessly on Techstars, which has over 2,000 graduates as of this point. Uh, and they run a huge business uh with their accelerator partnerships and I've had David Cohen on the pod a couple of times um and Brad Feld I think also gets counted as a co-founder and he he does, he, he does. and he was uh, Brad Feld is a bit uh reclusive and I'm trying to get him on the pod and I had an in-person only rule but now that we're virtual I think he'll probably do it and he last time he was on was 2013 7 years ago we got to get Brad Feld back on but today for the first time David Brown is on the podcast, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Techstars. Good to have you on the pod.
0: Thanks for having me. We actually have a fourth co-founder as well, uh, Jared Polis, who's now governor of Colorado. But um, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah. So he wow. shows up, t- he turned up for in-person demo days when we used to have those yeah. things, but he's pretty, he's pretty busy right now.
1: How are you doing during coronavirus everything okay personally have you been impacted by it how is boulder
0: Yeah um I feel lucky you know I'm I'm home I have a family that seems to tolerate me okay and you know we're all safe and you know Boulder doesn't have too many cases and in fact I don't know anybody in Boulder who has contracted coronavirus so we're stuck crazy. We have a high school senior uh, that is sad for prom and graduation, but in the grand scheme of things, we're we're all doing really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, for young people, it's really sad they're going to lose some like formative part of their lives, but they're also going to get that mm-hmm. grit and realize that hey, the world is sometimes hard, and you have to rise to the challenge. So. It could be a, a great defining moment of uh, for them in terms of resiliency and moving forward. Are they going to have a, a Zoom graduation?
0: We don't know yet. Uh, by the way, I tried that line on my daughter, and uh, she wasn't buying it, the grit yeah. and resiliency. No, she wants prom. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> prom yeah, and they'll uh, they realize
1: it in 10 years, right?
0: <laughs> yes, right. But it's not helpful today. <laughs> not helpful at all today. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I'm glad you uh, got- there's a there's a graduation scheduled in July currently, so we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just push it back uh, a month or two, and I think we're we'll all be going yeah. back. Uh, I'm curious, just right off the bat, we'll get into the history of you know um, tech stars, but I'm just at the top here. You started TechStars. I think it's called TechStars anywhere about four or five years yep. ago. Correct. And I had been lobbied last year by like team members and people like hey maybe we should do a virtual thing and i was like listen this is crazy nobody wants us to put money in and work from home they're not going to be able to raise money it's not going to work and our last cohort went three weeks in person and then to um right virtual now we have two more i'm wondering if you could tell us What you're experiencing and what you learned from that four-year Techstars Anywhere program, is there some difference between the founders who go to that and who go to an in-person program? And is there some difference in outcomes? The number one outcome that people are looking for coming to these programs is to raise money. So do you see a difference in outcomes or have you seen over the last four years?
0: Yeah. So... um so you know, first of all, we we started it as an experiment, and the first year I think we only had four companies come through compared to our normal ten, and we did that on purpose because we thought it's going to be hard, and we're going to have to learn some things, and we're going to have to figure out how to do it, you know, over video, and so we wanted an extra concentration of attention on the four companies that went through, and um, we got some really good learnings, and we've run four, like you say, four or five full classes now. Uh, thank. Thank thank goodness we did, right? Because we took all of those learnings and applied it to all of our programs. But one of the learnings, for instance, is the need, the benefit of having at least an in-person bonding moment. And so in anywhere, they get together during the first week. And then again, in the middle um and and then that's it. the rest is virtual and that has proven to be a huge benefit. so for your cohort, for example, that was together for three weeks, you had that early bonding. I think any anytime we think about going virtual only, we have to remember that we'll be we would be giving that up. The second thing that we learned is it's a much more inclusive program because if you have a family if you live far away if you don't have the financial means to mo- relocate to San Francisco or Boulder or somewhere and you um your 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 startup is in Timbuktu you can still participate if you're uh if you're um, a mom or a dad that's taking care of kids, you may not be able to attend in an accelerator. And so we have more applications for that program than any other of our programs for that reason. And what that means is it's giving us access to outliers. Um, and of course, it's still early, right? We're four years in, but we would expect higher returns as a result of that.
1: Fascinating. And so... Uh, how do they fare with fundraising? Because, you know, I think prior to coronavirus, there was a 100% rule that, you know, VCs and seed funds, at least, putting aside angels, they really want to break bread. They want to get to know people. They're investing in people. We've You and I have heard this for years. Now, of course, the same venture capitalists are actually making investments over Zoom and they haven't broken bread and they haven't spent time with them. So if forced to, they will do it. But previously they said, listen, I'm not interested in that. So when you had the program virtual, were those people able to raise money, or was that a disadvantage?
0: Well, they were still able to raise money, but that uh, in some cases, they would still have to travel somewhere and mm. break bread with somebody. And so God. while there wasn't the in-person demo day, most investors aren't making their investment decisions solely based on an in-person demo day. They want to break bread, as you say. And you know, at least until three months ago, we could still go onto airplanes and go um, uh, visit those investors.
1: Uh, and now, when you look going forward, you have programs in how many cities today? Ballpark?
0: Almost 50, 49, wow. something like that, different locations.
1: And yeah. it, that gives you a unique perspective on the pandemic globally. Um, are programs now uh, coming back online in person? And if so, in what regions? And And how are you dealing with that as an organization? Because... That's 50 decisions you got to make. It's almost like you're 50 governors or 50 presidents. (laughs) You're going to have to make a, a decision on each one.
0: Yeah, although I would say it's been more of an advantage than a disadvantage in that as we went into lockdown, we got all the early warning signs, right? The Singapore accelerator went virtual in January at a time when You know most of us here in the us were thinking this will never come to us right and then the italy accelerator if you remember when italy went into lockdown you know we were three weeks into that accelerator and so that was the first of our accelerators to switch from in-person to remote and so uh, we were able to practice if you will at what does it look like to switch from in-person to remote before the other 14 that we had running in the US and Europe um, sort of all went to lockdown at the same time. Um, We're being cautious on the other side about not opening up too quickly. And um, while we're considering in-person as a possibility, uh, we're looking at all our future programs for the moment as remote first. If we're able to get together in-person, great, but we're assuming that we're gonna have to be virtual
1: have there been discussions internally about hey let's make everything virtual going forward or a hybrid going forward
0: yeah um i think i think you know our, our logic is there, there maybe are four different types of accelerators. There's virtual only. There's virtual first. There's in person first. There's in person only the old way, right? Those right. are the four kinds. And the way we're talking about it internally is let's be good at all four. And huh. then let's see how it plays out. And each accelerator in the future will be able to switch its label, if you will, uh, or run on a, in a certain modality.
1: Do you do you think things need to change in terms of what you provide um I, you know for this new model like what what do you think what new muscle do you have to flex or, or, or learn? Because we're, we're starting to figure that out. One of them is AV. And, you know, I, I'm a stickler for AV, you know, having done this podcast for a long time and events for a long time. We, I just started a rule, and it sounds silly, but in order to present, you have to have a computer that's under a year old. You have to have an Ethernet cable, not Wi-Fi, and you have to have a plugged-in headset from this list of pre-approved ones. You know, stick microphone kind of situation. Um, and boy, when we did that, and we had one or two people maybe who didn't present, uh, people said the AV was perfect. And I'm like, that's because we're not using Wi-Fi and we're using proper headsets, not AirPods. Yeah. H- have you have you come to any blocking and tac- tackling tactical decisions like the one I made that that are um, helping?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there are, you know, probably dozens. Yours is a very good one, right? Like figure, you know, figuring out sound and video and Wi-Fi and network connection is super important. I'd give a different example at the other end of the scale is getting really good at what does a demo day pitch look like, um, over, over zoom. Um, right. and, and, um, we, we ran 16 virtual demo days simultaneously, it's fascinating, Jason. It's incredible, right because uh one of the first ones we did in that grouping was in Abu Dhabi, right great program, but far away, you know how many bay area investors uh, you know were gonna travel there to go look at the pitches? My guess is you know you you didn't have your ticket ready to go for yeah. that one, and you know yet we had two thousand uh plus attendees attend uh you know that virtual demo day um. And you can see them there at demoday.techstars.com and they're open, you know, open to the public. But uh, figuring out the logistics of all of that and the technology behind it uh, to, to to really have the right experience virtually as different than it would be in person has, has been, you know, great. And we've, of course, drafted on the Anywhere program, but improved on it as well.
1: All right. When we get back from this quick break, uh, I want to get your thoughts on what startups... Are going to thrive coming out of, uh, you know, this pandemic and what do you think on a, uh, what what your best advice is to founders now, let's face it, you know, this 12 bull year run is over and now we're back in what would be the web 2.0 days, like when you started 2006 or maybe even 2008, 2009 after the great recession, financial crisis, when we get back on This Week in Startups. <music> Okay, now more than ever, we need people with the right skills to support our communities, especially the frontline workers who provide resources and care for those most in need. And to help, LinkedIn is offering free job posts for healthcare and essential service organizations that need to quickly fill critical roles with the people who will help all of us. If you or someone you know are hiring for one of these organizations, LinkedIn's active community of over 675 million members can help you quickly find the right candidates for the front line quickly. LinkedIn jobs screens candidates for the skills and experiences you're looking for and puts your job post in front of qualified people who meet your requirements. So you can find the right person to quickly fill critical roles. Many of our portfolio companies have had success uh, using LinkedIn jobs. One of them, Takeoffs.io, is an AI-enabled building materials marketplace. It's very cool. I found them when I was in Australia. And they were looking to hire last year an AI engineering lead, which was really difficult because, well, it's a pretty unique skill set, right? You're an engineer and you know AI. So they use LinkedIn Jobs and they found the perfect candidate with a PhD in computer vision and this employee has been with them for over a year and has rolled out several major projects and has been, been a real game changer for, for that startup. So here is your call to action to post a healthcare or essential services job for free. I want you to visit linkedin.com slash power. Again, linkedin.com slash power. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. All right, David Brown, the CEO and co-founder of Techstars, is on the podcast. Founded the Techstars program in 2006, and now about 500 companies go through it a year, correct? That's well correct. Been? Which is more than Y Combinator. People think Y Combinator is the largest accelerator, but Techstars, in fact, is the largest.
0: In terms yeah, of number of companies, you know, it's, it's 10 at a time, right? So it's still an intimate experience, but if you add it up across 50 locations, that's 500.
1: So the max is 10. That's the number you came up with.
0: Yeah. I mean, have we ever done 11? You know? <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but it's never 15.
1: Right. Why? What what, did, what how did you come to that number and that realization as opposed to um, Y combinator which is now 150? I mean, they they break up into groups or maybe 250 actually, I heard.
0: Yeah, you know, I it's interesting because we randomly picked best guess 10 on in our first year and uh over the years have experimented with larger classes and smaller classes and really what it comes down to is the attention we put a very strong you know successful entrepreneur in as managing director of each class and that person and his or her team are responsible for sort of managing the whole program And you put in more companies, you dilute the attention, and it turns out that 10 is just about right that you can give everybody enough attention um, without dilution, and you know, you could do five, but of course, then you have excess capacity.
1: Yeah, and I actually, interestingly, I picked seven. And the reason I picked seven was short-term memory. I just thought, you know, short-term memory has been, when they studied it in psychology, I always remember when I was a psychology major, seven plus or minus two. And that's how phone numbers became seven. They just did a test of what, if you if you read off a certain number of numbers, how many can people remember? And seven was the average. So I just wrote seven. But some people can remember ten. If you're taking notes, you can remember it. You know, twenty or thirty probably a lot easier. Um, So here we are. We're going into this, what will clearly be, a recession, perhaps an extended recession, uh, negative growth for many quarters to come is what most consensus would be. Of course, companies that are virtual are accelerating their growth, which is a bizarre experience to have. And you must be seeing this inside your own portfolio where you have a group of companies that has absolutely had their revenue go to zero and they've been crushed to a point at which no model could ever predict. And then you have other companies that are looking you know, in the mirror and going, oh my God, I feel so guilty. We've doubled revenue because of the pandemic. Is that what you're seeing as well in your portfolio? And then what does that mean for going forward, your advice to startups?
0: Uh, so 100%, right? Like, If you're in the business of facilitating business travel, um, things are not going well for you right now, unless you figured out how to pivot. But if you are a company that is helping um, triage EMS to do telemedicine, um, and avoid the hospital. You're on fire right now, and uh, so it very much feels like there are huge winners and there are huge losers. Uh, people who are really stru- startups that are really struggling. On balance, of course, it's going along with the economy, but it doesn't feel like that. What it feels like is: are you, you are you in the good category or in the in the hurting category? What do I say to entrepreneurs? I I say, you know, we've had this 12 year bull run um, and everything has been so great and so organized that we've been dotting I's and crossing T's that didn't need it to be dotted or crossed. Now the world has taken this big box of problems and dumped it upside down and who's going to fix those big problems entrepreneurs and startups there is a world of opportunity and so those those problems are big problems 5 years from now we're going to look back at huge companies i think that got created as a result of this pandemic and if you're the company that was focused on you know dotting an eye for business travelers great opportunity to pivot and pick a new problem to solve
1: yeah and and that is pivoting for a founder is one of the hardest psychological emotional exercises to say I spent 3 years 30 months even you know 3 months working on this problem and building this product to be able to put it on ice put it in stasis and say I'm starting over I mean it just shows you what the sunken what is that sunken cost fallacy you know you're you're just yeah. because you spent 3 you know, months walking in one direction. If you find out that there's a cliff there, you have no choice but to turn around. You can't just stand at the cliff and go, magically a bridge is gonna emerge and that's just not gonna happen.
0: Exactly, exactly. But you know, founders are a resilient bunch and yeah. it, it's a great way of separating the wheat from the chaff and figuring out who who is resilient enough to uh, walk back from the cliff and go in a whole new direction.
1: What categories, are you looking at now and saying this is a big opportunity and and will be a sustainable opportunity? Because, you know, if everybody all of a sudden wants to start delivering food and helping restaurants deliver food, I'm not sure that people are not going back to restaurants at the same level in 2021 or 2022 that they did in 2019. Seems to me that, like, people will be going back to restaurants and we're going to beat this. And it may take two years, it may take one year. So you don't want to rush into something like competing with Uber Eats or Postmates. So how do you know if it's a sustained, what things do you think are sustained change versus, you know, temporal?
0: So a couple of thoughts, you know, first of all, you know, I do think an Instacart, for example, you know, or an Uber Eats, a lot of people are discovering that that's available for the first time. Yeah. And, wow, I don't have to go to the grocery store. How is that possible wow.
1: that people don't know that?
0: It's crazy. There, I am married to one of those people. Yeah. Right. And uh, there are lots of those people out there. We live in the tech world. Your really? audience probably doesn't, you know. Uh, live in that world, but maybe their spouses do, yeah. uh, or their friends do, and so I do think, right, that they that yes, it will bounce, it will snap back, but it won't snap all the way back. There is right. an opportunity for um, the Instacarts and the Uber Eats to grow to grow Massively. their business. Yeah. Um, But I compare that my analogy, when I talk to uh, entrepreneurs about it, I compare it to say, if you're a toilet, uh, if you're a company that makes toilet paper, and your business is just on fire right now, right? Like you can't make enough, because everything you deliver to the store gets sold out immediately. Right? Well, the world doesn't need more toilet paper, right? right? That's not what's happening. What's happening is people are filling up their pantry. And so, right. for the valley uh, that ex- uh, the peak that exists today, there'll be the same valley that exists, yeah, um, you know, somewhere down the road. And so, know whether you're an Instacart or know whether you're a toilet paper manufacturer.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a temporary, non sustainable spike, um, but
0: but the bigger thing is how's the world going to change right right. let's talk about that we talked about it earlier in the show um investors for example are discovering that they don't necessarily need to break bread and that applies to more than just investors that implies applies to uh, business people as well we have a lot of corporate partnership uh, partnerships i have to fly all around the world you know i fly I flew 200,000 miles last year, last couple of years, because lots of people want that face to face interaction. But guess what? People are discovering that this Zoom thing works mm. um, and that you're able to have a video conference and not get on an airplane. And so, you know, I, I think that's going to change the, natu- the nature of business in the future. And depending on what your startup does, um, you should think about how the world is going to change uh, on the basis of the different things that are going to, that are happening. To- today that may snap back but may not snap all of the way back. So education, right, is a great example. People are learning how to homeschool their kids. They're finding online tools to be able to use. I think higher education is in deep trouble because they're relying Unpack on the yeah. model. Uh,
1: yeah. What do you think will happen in not just this fall but next fall? I mean, if people if people could really be expected to pay thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for Zoom, classes? That makes no sense. What's going to happen to these colleges?
0: I think that's right. And I think they're terrified, right? Because they're terrified. I have a high school senior, right? Um, Her whole grade is saying you know what gap year, right? Like why wow. go to college in the fall? Because I don't want to spend, you know, all that money. I want to go. She wants to go for the college experience, right? Right. Live in a dorm and go to the football games. And she's like, you know, if there's going to be social distancing and one person to a dorm room and no football games, and I, and I have to do zoom classes, I, I'm going to take a gap year. But I think for everybody that does that, she's going to go, you know, she'll probably go back a a year later. Um, then I guess you'll have a different problem, which is you'll have class sizes twice as big because you have two years worth of kids going through school. Maybe, but it's yeah. going to be, it's going to crush revenues for uh, higher education in the short run. And then I think people are going to realize maybe I didn't need to ha- be educated in that way. Maybe I could go to an accelerator instead if I want to have a startup rather than get an MBA and. Um, that's a better education. So I think I think the enrollment overall is going to drop, and I think higher education is terrified.
1: Yeah, it, it does seem right, to me so. that it, everybody reevaluates the value of uh, each of these institutions, whether it's the office space, the restaurant, uh, okay. the prom, <laughs> the, the college experience. It's just all going to be reevaluated, and it in examined with fresh eyes and maybe examining $50,000 a year or $75,000 a year all in versus three smart people learning how to code on free code camp or Lambda school, whatever it is. And then starting a company and getting a hundred thousand dollar investment is a better move. We need more founders. You think this is going to lead to more entrepreneurship
0: Uh, way more because the problems are bigger, right? Um, you know, a better way of commenting on a blog isn't what's really needed right now. It's a better education system, better, better uh, healthcare system. You know, I'll give a great example on that. That's my background. My first startup uh, had um, Cohen and my first startup did dispatch software for ambulance companies. Um, So I saw firsthand how messed up our healthcare system is and how many people get taken to the hospital for no reason. If you call 911 right now and say, my toe hurts, they're going to pick you up in an ambulance and take you somewhere. Right. right. Be- and, it, and and the
1: reason is because they came and you called them and they want to close the transaction. That's because that's how they're
0: compensated. Yeah. Incentives right? matter. They don't get, yeah. You, you don't get paid for uh, no transport.
1: Right. So they're going to right. transport you and they're going to get thousands of dollars based on right. that. Yeah. Right.
0: Huh. But, you know, as telemedicine begins to emerge and you know, today I'm getting notes from, you know, my local provider doctor, right? If you need a consult, I can do a telemedicine consult. Um, and as, uh, insurance providers figure out how to reimburse for that. Yeah. Um, that's going to transform healthcare.
1: It's going to be amazing if everybody in can, in a great way. I mean, imagine if everybody could have the concierge doctor experience that, you know, people who can afford to spend, you know, whatever it is, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars a year on a concierge doctor, where you can just text I can just text my doctor anytime right. I want and, you know, uh have like an open discussion about that. It, that's basically gonna be everybody's experience. And it is everybody's experience now. Because the doctor cannot come you cannot come to the office.
0: Exactly. And yeah. you know, let's keep the emergency room free for COVID patients right now. And Take the stub toe people and have a online consult instead. Uh,
1: when we get back from this final break, I want to talk about how you manage the relationship and what it's like post graduation at TechStars. And is that even an important part of what you do, or are accelerators just about that you know uh, initial period when we get back on this week in startups? All right, I'm really excited to welcome Twilio back to being a partner here at This Week in Startups. If you don't know them, they're obviously the cloud communication platform that's used by people like Uber or Airbnb, Shopify. I use it at Inside. Uh, We use it at This Week in Startups. And they're joining with us here at This Week in Startups to bring their Twilio and SendGrid startup programs to our listeners. Twilio provides you the building blocks for messaging, voice, and video in your web and mobile applications. They are rooted in startup culture and they are here to help you on your journey. Uh, and they give you the ability to build all of this communication into your product without you having to rebuild everything. So you need all of these to be perfect, you need to make sure they get delivered, you need to make sure you're not falling into spam, uh, or getting hits against your phone numbers and your email addresses. Well, SendGrid and Twilio, they do all that for you. And it works. Perfectly. So if you want to engage and delight your users while scaling globally, all from one API-powered platform, from SMS to voice, you can even go into WhatsApp now. I didn't know that, actually. That's pretty cool. And this is where it gets great. And I'm really excited to, to have Twilio make this offer to you, our listeners here at This Week in Startups. They're going to give you $500. So I'm not going to say they're going to give you a dollars they're going to give you 500, 500 bucks in credits right now. Plus, you can get access to webinars made exclusively for startups and the full support of the Twilio startups team. Plus, that's the 500 you get in Twilio. Now, wait for this. They're also going to give you three thousand dollars in send grid credits this is unbelievable I really am thankful for twilio for doing this go to twilio startups.com twist twilio t-w-i-l-i-o startups.com slash twist twilio startups.com slash twist we're going to put it in the show notes you have to go there and grab these credits it's $3,500 waiting there for your startup, and they're doing this because they love the podcast, and they want to support it, and they want to support startups because they're big fans of startups, and they're big fans of This Week in startups, Startups, uh, which I appreciate. So get the $3,500 now, twiliostartups.com slash twist. All right, David Brown is with us. He's D. Brown on the Twitter, CEO and co-founder of The Tech Stars. <laughs> uh, are you active on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. A little bit here and there? Did you Little see the new fe- new feature where you can only have your followers reply, where you can just whoever's oh, no. mentioned it? Yeah, they're they're doing an experiment now, which I had actually suggested maybe five or ten years ago. I said, well, if if you really want to stop the trolling problem, if you just had a checkbox that said only my followers can reply to this tweet, and you could do it on a per tweet basis, it's like it's a pretty obvious idea. So if you're not, if I'm not following you, uh, then you if cannot I'm not following you, right. So, only people yeah. I follow can reply to this tweet. So, it basically, it's like right. putting a little velvet rope. I mean, anybody can read the thread, but to right. participate in the thread. So, it just lets you have your own little self-reinforcing bubble, you know, like. Can I'm I just gonna, say,
0: I'm so yeah. boring that nobody responds to my tweets and it doesn't really <laughs> matter?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, you are well, you're focused on, you know, like building the world's largest accelerator. And, you know, that's also important. Um, it is a very interesting, yeah. Did you see the club? That's a good feature. It's a pretty interesting feature, yeah. Did you see the Clubhouse funding? I'm curious what you thought of that, um, if anything.
0: No. No, I, d- I don't know what you're talking about, actually.
1: Clubhouse is like the app that um, kind of got heat here in the valley between venture capitalists, and it's like a little audio experience where you can kind of do talk radio. But anyway, Andreessen Harrods put a, reportedly $10 million into it pre-launch in a bidding war with Andreessen. Andreessen was in a bidding war with Benchmark, and then they paid the founders $2 million in secondary to get the deal or... As part of the DL for a pre-launch company It was just kind of a weird outlier in terms of funding.
0: Yeah, what was that company years ago that raised a million dollars on nothing? What was that?
1: Uh, uh, a do million, you or what the, I'm talking about? No, I'm not I trying.
0: think it was a million, but it was just like a name. Oh, yo, it was, a, it was yo. yo exactly. Yo, yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. It does the outlier things happen when when founders come to you and they're like, "How come I can't raise like for Masayoshi san two hundred million dollars for my?" idea where my like you know nascent enterprise how do you explain that to them these
0: weird things that occur In oh how do, how do you explain the outliers yeah yeah you know look i mean i, I think one of the benefits of uh working around the world is uh Breaking out of the Silicon Valley bubble a little bit, people yeah. don't always have those big stars in their eyes, right? right? They're much more realistic, and they understand, by and large, that evaluation is what you're able to get. Mm. And you might think you're worth two hundred million dollars, but if the market says you're worth four, then you know your negotiating opportunity is maybe to go to five, <laughs> right? Not to, yeah. not to fifty.
1: After people graduate, uh, what is it? Do you have uh, a philosophy about accelerators and best practices post-graduation? Do you try to continue to help them or is it healthier that they graduated and, you know, maybe they can come see the next batch of companies, but it's kind of like you're done. You left the nest. How do you look at that?
0: No, no, not at all. Like the way we describe it is the accelerator is at most half the experience, with the rest of your life being the other half. And our expression that we use is Techstars is for life. And it applies to founders, but it applies to staff and associates and any mentors, anybody associated with the program. And we have lots of activity. We have, you know, internal intranet kind of tools for founders to um, connect with each other we have perks for founders that uh, exist beyond the ex- you know beyond the accelerator that they can use for life discussion forums founder con and annual gathering um, we'll see when we're able to run that again but yeah i've been to um,
1: FounderCon. it's kind of fun a lot of people yeah, come out for yeah. that what's why do you Angel investors. You spoke
0: at FounderCon.
1: I know. I try to remember which one. was Which city was it in? Seattle, maybe, or was it in? I can't
0: uh, remember. So I remember. a, a I you said a, you had a line on stage. Oh, okay. Here um, we go. Oh, brace for it. I, from <laughs> that FounderCon that I still quote you on.
1: Wow. Here we go. <laughs> you want to hear it? <laughs> and I do. I'm, it was why.
0: Why. Why do you want to be a B2B company instead of a B2C company? Okay. Right? And it's because all you have to do is go visit a corporate you know a big corporation and in the back of, behind reception they have this massive diamond and all you have to do is ask them to chip a tiny piece of the off the, of the <laughs> diamond and give it to you like right. that is your business model whereas yeah. b2c you know you have to big scrape and borrow yeah. for every last yeah. dollar an opportunity to make that's a,
1: not a bad line actually it makes sense yeah, yeah it's, it, it is yeah. a much being <laughs> b2b is such an easier life I mean, you yeah. do not get the outlier of being Tesla or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever. You know, Amazon. Yeah, you
0: don't. You don't get the brand recognition, the the household name recognition. But yeah, it's an easier way to make money for sure.
1: Why do angel investors and seed funds pick one company versus another? you know, as you've studied this, and the reason people want to come to Accelerate is number one reason given is always I want to raise money. I want to, you know, have that demo day, I want to get exposure. Second reason, I want to get advice on how to build my company. I think that's pretty universal. Why is it that people pick company A over company B, in your estimation? What are are the reasons that investors in angels, and it might be different for each of them, uh, seed funds versus angels, make that decision?
0: yeah i mean let's set aside the fomo and the excitement you know where everybody's piling into um the hot deal and pretend that doesn't exist yeah. right uh obviously it does you know i i think look my and this is my angel experience as well i, I angel invested before tech stars don't do so much anymore but you know, it's, it's a personal connection with the founder. Like I, they're, you know, I understand them. We're, we're kumbaya. I think I can help. I understand the business and uh, I do like to break bread with them. They are somebody that I feel like I can communicate with because I will be able to help them and maybe also learn from them.
1: Yeah. See, these are very interesting. You said it in very plain English, but if you unpack it, your ability to like enjoy the business that they're running and that you feel you can learn from them and that they're likable and that you want to spend time with them, all of these things do add up. And, and none of it is, in your answer is, I'm looking for the highest return. And this is sometimes what people right. forget, right? Like you, If you're going to make this investment, if you're a high net worth individual who has the ability to write a 25 or 50K or 100K check, you're going to invest in somebody who you really are going to enjoy being on that journey with and that you're going to really vibe with, and that you're going to be excited. It's not just about the returns. And it's typically that's the third, fourth, fifth thing that people say is, oh yeah, I want to make more money. Because they're already rich. If you're an accredited investor, you're already well-to-do.
0: Yeah, I know you're not doing it you know, as a charity, right. right. And, uh, but you're picking amongst the set of people that you think can generate a return, but can you really evaluate whether, you know, Joe or Jim is going to create a better startup? Uh, you know, even if you think Joe is 5% stronger, but you'd like Jim twice as much, you're going to pick Jim, right? Yeah. Because the fidelity on the 5% is pretty low.
1: When you look at characteristics over the life of investing in companies, maybe you see people who are second and third time entrepreneurs and you start to see some really good signaling. What is your signaling for founder characteristics?
0: You know, well, at the accelerator stage, I think being coachable is super important, right? Sometimes the second time entrepreneur or the entrepreneur that has a little more revenue than the rest of the companies in their cohort have a little chip on their shoulder and something to prove. And I've already done this and I know what I'm doing. Mm. And you just know that you're not going to be able to help as much. And uh, look, they have a benefit if they've done it before because they have experience and, um, and, and that gives them advantage. But if they're not open to uh, learning from others experience, whether it's the tech star staff, managing director, mentors, whoever um, they're not going to progress as much. And so, I do think that some sometimes the leaders, the multiple time entrepreneurs, especially if their exits aren't incredible, um, can be at a disadvantage if they let their ego get in the way and aren't coachable enough.
1: When you look at mentors, how do you pick mentors for tech stars? And are mentors? Do you, are you concerned with mentors that the people who have time for mentorship or the people who want to be mentors, like people who? You, ask me to be mentors in our program we don't have mentors uh in in our program which is a bespoke thing like i'm the mentor like and the other alumni maybe are mentors to a certain extent but we don't try to bring in mentors because a lot of times i find the people who want to be mentors are giving horrible advice and they're giving too much advice how do you think about mentors and picking them and how do you tell your cities here's how you pick a mentor and here's who's not a good mentor do you give them instructions unpack it all
0: Yeah, we do. So we have about 7,000 mentors for our accelerators, more if you include all the mentors that participate in startup weekends. And so we have a pretty rigorous uh, process uh, for intake and evaluation. We do give them all coaching. We have a thing called the Mentor Manifesto, which you can Google that uh, David Cohen wrote with one of our early MDs to help mentors Um, To help guide mentors so they don't give bad advice. But in the end, the most important thing is to uh, survey the mentees and find out Uh. who are the most effective mentors. Uh, And I'll give an example, right? You could be a really accomplished mentor. And, uh, you know, you built a huge startup, you know, lots of things, you know, lots of people. And really, you just want to have mentorship on your resume for some reason. And ah. you show up late to the mentor meetings and you're checking your email and you take a phone call and you don't dispense of any of that advice or wisdom or connections that you have. Right. Well, you're a terrible mentor. Right. right? And so um, th- that active surveying process causes us to rotate out uh, ah. lots of the mentors every year. You know, let the startups pick who was actually valuable.
1: When people are deciding between Y Combinator and tech Stars and they say, "I have an offer from both, how do you win a deal? What do you say to them in terms of how to pick um
0: you know look i Y Combinator is a great program and um and and so i don't I don't think we're in a p- a position where we want to say, this is better, do this, do that right I think i if you want to be in Silicon Valley. If that is your goal, Y Combinator has a great ecosystem there. If you want to be in Chicago, we have a stronger ecosystem there. If you, you know, are comfortable in the large batch sizes, uh, Y Combinator is probably a great answer for you. If you want a more intimate experience, 10 at a time, Techstars is better for you.
1: Is that large class size in the best interest of founders?
0: it doesn't work for us it clearly works for y combinator you know they've had great success so uh, y combinator has had great
1: success but and yeah. you've had great success with the yeah. smaller version but what about the founders who go to y combinator do you think it's in their best interest to be one of 250 companies or one of 200 companies it seems crazy to me i want to hear if you think that
0: yeah i mean look i, I mean i don't think it's right because i don't think it's it's not what we do. So right. obviously I don't think it's the right thing to do. Right. Uh, if I thought it was the right thing to do, we would do that. Right. Um, why do you think but, they do it? Yeah.
1: Why do you, what do you, what do you um, think Why Combinator does it?
0: Um, I don't, I don't, you know, those guys probably better than I do. <laughs> I don't know that I, you know, I don't know that I know why they do it that yeah. way, but I think, you know, it's a big bet on Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Because, um, and, and so our, our ability to scale um, maybe is easier around the world because we can just pop up more and more cities and add 10 at a time. If you're going to be restricted by geography, uh, the only way to scale, I suppose is to increase the class size.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, it it but does that's seem pure speculation. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, they do break it into subgroups, I guess, but I, I think it's my view on it. It might be a little bit cynical is they've got such a great brand uh, having been there early yeah. that they're just leveraging the brand love to cast as wide of a net to catch an outlier and that i really think it does a disservice to the bottom third or the bottom half of the class because my gosh you know like what are your chances of really breaking out if you're not in the top half of the class right you just get lost there's just too many companies and then when you go to the demo days it's there's just too many companies pitching you your mind can never process that large of a cohort it's it's just it will melt your brain as an investor to try to to even try um yeah. i'm curious your position I, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah.
0: oh I, I was gonna say like i think it's probably a very true statement to sort of yeah. be the the worst company in yc is a lot harder than being the worst company in tech stars right, right? because you are absolutely or you know the bottom third right yeah. because um you are gonna you know you are gonna get lost a little bit and that's right. what the more bespoke experiences you describe it that you provide or that we provide um allows us to you know we love all our children, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, and also it doesn't if, mean that there aren't a top third. There's absolutely a top third and absolutely a bottom third.
1: And people are on a journey too. So like the top third might have been at it for 6 months more or they might be on their second company or they might have one key co-founder who's just an all-star who got them further in their design or go-to-market strategy, right? Like
0: I promise you there are also companies that at some point we thought were bottom thirds that wound up being top thirds.
1: Absolutely. The 10th right. could absolutely, I mean, and th- that's the thing about being misunderstood. If you're doing something truly revolutionary, you know, the things at the top that have 50K in revenue or 10K in revenue already are going to look much more attractive at that moment in time than the person doing something completely speculative, like a meditation app or a, a cab hailing service or, you know, whatever it happens right. to be that, you know, is just hard to understand. Um And Yeah i lost my, i had, a, had another question i was going to ask you about oh fundraising I cut you off yeah no no it's okay i, I that was uh an, i'm going to say that was an interview technique to to get you to comment on it um <laughs> no the thing i was going to ask you about is uh yc has a very specific you do not raise money until demo day do you have that same rule uh, and if so why or why not
0: um we don't although it's it's more common than not that they raise money at demo day, but mm. we're not prescriptive. You know, our mantra is it's your company, mm. uh, which means uh, everything from a mentor, a really great mentor tells you to zig. If you want to zag, go for it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, our coaching to the mentor is lean into that and help them. Don't penalize them. Um, same for fundraising. You, you want to come in and fundraise on day one of the program you know, be my guest. And sometimes they're successful. Um So, you know, we can give them all the advice on how it's going to work and scarcity and FOMO and all of that at Demo Day. But um sometimes you have a check and somebody that's willing to write one and it's going to you know, pay the rent and stuff, and <laughs> it's yeah, worth doing. F- and I can tell you that those that like were fundraising in February, and I can you think feel of pretty a good about it now. That I know a company that closed around while in the middle in the second week of the program, yeah. and yeah, they feel good about it now for sure. Yeah,
1: I, I just take the approach of FOMO is just such a bad way to raise money. I mean, it might be effective, but I do think that you might signal getting the wrong investors. And if you only care about the cash, that's fine. But Most investors, the elite ones, you can't use a a Jedi mind trick on them and try to get them to, you know, Sequoia's not going to get caught up in FOMO, you know, like they're not, or some great seed fund, you know, Alien Lee, a cowboy, or Homebrew, or Brad Fowl, like they're not going to get like FOMO'd into an investment, they're just- masters at what they do you're not you're not going to trick them and so then who are you tricking with some fomo that all oh, the rounds closing and the sig file yeah. you got the docu sign is in your document. you're gonna you're gonna trick a dentist <laughs> into investing you
0: know yeah and and maybe the broader point there that is accelerators aren't a game right uh, uh, that you have to play by certain rules and you yeah. know sometimes i if an entrepreneur says to me i i don't know if i should create feature x or y which ones do you think the Investor would like that, oh, yeah. right? And you know the answer is build a great business that the investor is going to want to invest in. Uh, don't don't create a story. Don't create customers to be able to, you know, craft a story for demo day. It's not a game.
1: I think that's really what the the problem has been over this last decade is that with all the blogging and podcasting and books, everybody's unpacked and analyzed founder uh, investor behavior so you know, um, intensely, that the game has been how do I craft a chart in the 12 weeks I'm in the accelerator buying Google ads or Facebook ads, and then trying to create this like moment where I manipulate everybody into the round is closing, and it's a party round, and you're going to miss out and do the FOMO thing. And then you're left afterwards with, I don't know, you got 20 people who are investors in your company, but nobody's a lead, nobody's on the board. What do you think about party rounds in general and just the general hygiene of this like manipulation that's going on now the emphasis on well, manipulating or,
0: the system or, you know I mean, I guess maybe I'll, I'll tell a story, right? I yeah, was talking to a founder a few months ago before, before all this lockdown stuff and he had raised a big round, right? From a, a well known investor who had put a lot of pressure on him to grow the business at all costs and it hadn't worked, right? And then he had to lay off, you know, a whole bunch of people and, you know, the investor is probably moving on to the next deal, but, you know this guy was heartbroken right he had Mm. sort of he felt like he wasted a year of his life he diluted himself his ownership in the company he hadn't acted in a way that was true to himself and he felt more comfortable growing his business a little bit slower in a little bit more of a manageable way but in a little bit more of a profitable way and he's sort of kicking himself for all this advice that he's getting out there in the marketplace that you you know you should you should. You should grow at all costs, and some, sometimes the right answer is the answer that's in your heart right and don't be careful not to take too much advice from too many other people
1: I think this is I think this advice about taking advice is is very important advice for founders to hear because it is your company, and at the end of the day yes. it will rise and fall with your ability to show up for work and do your best work and if you're growing it based on the strategy of some investor who's on their tenth unicorn. And their sixth house and their you know second boat or whatever it is like they're playing a different game they're playing to hit
0: another they're swinging for home game. runs
1: yeah and you might right. really care about what you're doing and you may really care about the mission right. and the people and the customers and you 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 may be just fine with building a 50 million dollar business in 10 years and they may only feel fine with you building a 500 million dollar revenue business in 10 years and at the end of the day it is your company
0: and that's what happened to this guy uh, right? So, brutal. in that case, yeah.
1: What do you do? Well, he you lived, shut it down. So,
0: like, oh, yeah, he's alive. Well, no, he did okay.
1: Yeah, he did okay. You know, okay.
0: he he laid off a bunch of people and reset and lost a year and a half of his life, but, um, you know, he's okay.
1: What do you think is going to happen on a global basis? You obviously took a bet on going global. Um, you have this very strong network effect here in Silicon Valley, but the network effect in New York, Austin, Boulder—these are also very strong network effects now. Uh, Do we think that the pandemic winds up being the breaking point at which Silicon Valley as an operating system, as a mindset now, it's just not contained to this region anymore?
0: Well, I mean, I think that was underway um, already. And I think that this is an accelerant. Um, You know, the way I describe it is entrepreneurship is a gene, and you're born with it, or you're not, and you might not discover it right away. Mm. Uh, You know, you might, yes, maybe you have a you know, lemonade stand when you're six years old, or you discovered when you're in college, like me, or you wait till you're 65, like, Colonel Sanders, who started Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, because he couldn't live off his retirement check. But I think that's a global phenomenon. And it doesn't matter if you are born into Silicon Valley or the United States or Bangalore or Singapore or the Philippines, all of which, you know, are places that I've been to. And, you know, Techstars has been a bit become a bit of a magnet for entrepreneurship. And like everywhere I go, it doesn't matter the color of your skin or your political Sort of situation. You live in a dictatorship. Like we see our people there. Um, they come out from the woodwork and they're starting businesses and they're solving problems that, uh, for India, for Singapore, for Asia that aren't problems here. Like nobody, no entrepreneur in Silicon Valley is going to solve their problems because they don't understand those problems. And so I think, uh, in investors, entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurship in general is a, is a global phenomenon. That happened to get started in Silicon Valley, but will eventually level out, and um, because that ability is everywhere in the world, even if opportunity isn't.
1: And when you uh, look across the globe, we have a bit of an anti-capitalism, bit of a you know socialist movement here in the United States, or uh, democratic socialism, however people want to really phrase it. Uh, but entrepreneurship here is. Let's face it, it's it's strong. not looked at the same. It's strong, but it's not looked at the same way it was just 10 years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. There are challenges yep. there, right? Where in the world yep. is entrepreneurship um, vibrant um, and feels like maybe the United States did 10 or 20 years ago where people are just in absolute support of people being successful and building new things? Where Where do you see that most?
0: <sighs> um, you know, to name one place, yeah. India. India, right? The entrepreneur India.
1: spirit is just, it's describing. Oh my
0: goodness. What's it like? Well, you know, I, I can't remember the stats, but it's something like, first of all, a million engineers a year graduate um, from schools in India. Um, and you go to India and you go watch a pitch competition and the depth of the tech is unbelievable. Now, often, you know, it's in search of a business model or a company, right? Right. Behind it. Um, But I think that's a lot easier to uh, help with yeah. and mentor than the other way around. Like you're, you've got a really good business idea, but you don't have a mode at all or you don't have any tech capability. That's right. a lot harder to defend. But everybody in India, you know, w- wants to get ahead, wants to work 18 hours a day, right? Wants to figure out how to conquer the world, create a startup, make a dent in the universe. Uh, you know, we wanna we want to watch Netflix and chill.
1: Yeah. What it, why is it suddenly uh, people are like hustle is a bad thing? I mean, if people want to spend 12 hours a day or 15 hours a day building something that changes the world, isn't that something we should laud? And isn't that aspirational and beautiful? Well, how did yeah, that become I, a negative thing in the United States? It's so bizarre to me.
0: You know, I remember, I read a long time ago, but the world is flat, Thomas Friedman. Great book, book. right? And uh, he talked about traveling with Bill Gates in China, I think it was, and, you know, how Bill Gates... You had people like hanging from the rafters to on every word that he and, and the line in the book was, it was like he was Britney Spears, right? right? Who was big at the time. And then uh, Thomas Friedman's line was, you know, in, in China, Bill Gates is Britney Spears and in the US, Britney Spears is Britney Spears, right? And that's yeah. our problem, right? Yeah. We've, uh, we've gotten soft. Um, but, you know, in in developing countries, people want to make a better life for themselves. They want to provide for their children or their aging parents or themselves and their families, um, and they're eager to uh, create upward mobility. Uh, what do you see in Europe? I'm here. curious.
1: It's, it's so pronounced, the entrepreneurial spirit in Asia, Southeast Asia, India. You know, even Australia, to me, is just amazing. I've spent a lot of time there in the last couple of years, and man, the entrepreneurial spirit there is phenomenal what what's going on in europe is it i see the nordics doing pretty well germany seems active but haven't seen you know a ton of companies coming out of I think, that region
0: i think it's emerging like berlin yeah. is a hopping startup scene right yeah. berlin if you haven't been is a very cool place to go it's inexpensive yeah. very very strong entrepreneurial ecosystem you know we see we see the same in scandinavia for sure london is great um and you know different countries have their problems often yeah. there's too much regulation often it's too difficult to get a startup going or even open a bank account mm. um but but the conversation that you hear is it's getting better and to me that's sort of the signal of what's coming
1: yeah hey you guys have been uh were you and David co-CEOs? Are you still co-CEOs? How do you... <laughs> you know, well, or does David it even matter? Because David uh, seems to be the front man co- and you seem to be the person who does all the, the work. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm no, joking, David.
0: We <laughs> uh, we share a brain is, is how some people describe it. We were co-CEOs for a while. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, run the business. My, yeah. uh, he dropped the co-CEO title. It doesn't really matter in real life. Like the yeah. way to think about it is we share a brain. We share an office, right? Uh, we talk every day, even, even, even in these crazy, uh, even in these crazy times. Um, we, we've played around with external titles. Yeah. It's only an external thing. Um, uh, sorry, we've played around with our titles. It's, yeah. a, it's an external thing because people want to know, like, what's the dynamic, but, doesn't matter what our titles are, we treat each other the same way we always have.
1: Uh, I saw that Silicon Valley Bank invested, f- or some group of people invested $40 million in the business of yep. providing accelerators. In
0: Techstars? No,
1: it, uh, no it's, 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 tech over-
0: stars. it's all one
1: Techstars. It's all one Techstars. So there's yep. funds in Techstars, like a venture fund, and then there is a yeah. a for-profit business of providing accelerators to corporations, explain that business and, and what Silicon Valley is investing in. Are they investing in the funds to make investments or are they investing in the core business to own part of it? Because this is fascinating to me. I've never seen anybody, I, I don't know the ownership structure of YC. I assume Paul Graham just owns it.
0: And I don't know. I have not. I, I
1: don't know. Um, I know there are funds, but I'm assuming he owns the mothership. I own launch. So, yeah. how does that work now? Now you have yeah. ownership There's in a, Techstars.
0: Yep, there's ownership in TechStars. David and I own, you know, obviously a good chunk between us and uh Foundry has invested as well and now Silicon Valley Bank invested as part of our uh Series B and you know, we're a we're a real business with 300 uh, employees were profitable see what happens now but we've been profitable i think virtually every single year um since we've been incorporated and how do we how do we make money we make investments right which could be carry um from investment funds but it's also direct investments in some of our corporate programs we um we have revenue from corporate partners that we uh do things with we have sponsorships things like that but fundamentally we are an investing company um do you see that, that going
1: public at some point i mean that is typically the outcome i mean we haven't seen that since Idealab. lab did Idealab go public no, no idea know. lab just raised a billion no, dollars a 10 billion yeah. back in the day so, so yeah. i mean that does seem like a a, a public y combinator a public tech stars would be in inevitability is is that yeah, how do you think the, about that
0: um, I wouldn't use that strong. Uh, a possibility oh. would okay. be a term I could use. You know, I don't. You know, we're not we're not desperate to raise funds on the public markets because we're well capitalized and profitable. Um, we're also enjoying very much <laughs> what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but certainly, what um, would being public would be a provide?
1: If you were public, because nobody's ever made one of these things public, would it create like an evergreen funding mechanism? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it would do, uh, exactly, so that you could um, uh, use the public capital markets to fund ongoing investments.
1: That is such an amazing vision, if you think about it. And, I mean, LPs would then, it's very interesting, because if your LPs were endowments, etc., they have a public market investment team, and they have a private market investment team. So now you would have a 15-year relationship with this endowments private market, now you're public, they get to just buy the stock, or you know, you just issue like a secondary every now and then, raise a billion, put a billion to work, raise a billion, put a billion to work. It's
0: a it's it's credible vision. Story, though. So it's, it is. Um yeah. So it's it's certainly not something that's on the near term. Has price. it
1: ever been done before?
0: Have you I don't seen know of any no. There were no, incubators I, 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 like I don't ICE. know what the right comp is.
1: It, remember Internet Capital Group? Was that the name of the one back in Web 1.0? Yeah. And Vertical yeah. Net. There were some kind of... But it was more the startup studio model where you make the companies. You guys have that as well. Does the That's startup right. studio model work?
0: Um, I think, you know, it's it where invest- yeah. We're investors in Pioneer Square Labs, for example, and startup studios, High Alpha as well. We're close to those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, currently what we do is... If there are ideas that come in through our network, we have an arrangement, you know, where we can spin those out and do a startup studio. We don't run a separate studio mm. um, of our own. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we've we always, you know, it's a, it's a great idea. There are, there are great, there are big companies that have huge ideas that are too small for them to be able to um, yeah. fund. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, listen, uh, you've been very generous with your time, continued success, and for anybody out there, uh, you know, Techstars is just as good as it gets uh, in the startup world, and you can't go wrong. Uh, visit any of their cities, go to techstars.com, and congratulations on SendGrid. I know that was a big one for you guys. That's the biggest, right? Uh,
0: um, yeah, we've had some, yeah, we have, I think, seven seven uh, unicorns. Wow, sort amazing. Of um yeah, in the portfolio. Um Pillpack was a great, you know, success. That was story a great one too. Us. Yeah.
1: Amazon bought that. I passed on that yep. one and I met them and I was just like, is this a thing? Like putting a bunch of different pills in a packet? Is that a thing? And I don't take pills, so I didn't know. And it was just like one yeah. of these blind spots, but it but, is a thing. But
0: but like TJ, the founder, right? Like his parents were pharmacists, right? Uh. And so he knew what he was doing. Um, and I think he incorporated his company on the day he came into Techstars. He went through the Boston program.
1: Wow. Amazing. All yeah. right. Listen, continued success. Thanks for coming on the pod. Stay safe. And uh, if you're out there and you're looking for a job, I know Techstars is hiring. And if you're looking for an accelerator, uh, honestly, as good as my accelerator is, as good as uh, Y Combinators is, I'll say that, you know, as I always tell people, you can't go wrong with those three names. And I always tell people, I do two. I mean, I, people, at, at some point, Sam Waltman was like, ah, I don't know if I like this idea of like, accelerator hopping and I was like I that's like telling people like you couldn't get into Harvard or something so you shouldn't go to Brooklyn College and or Baruch and then (laughs) you know transfer after two years or or go for your graduate degree like go to a I, I mean even the regional programs that aren't Techstars Y Combinator or launch like there's no downside to starting a great company.
0: It's no why, bad time to start not, a great company. Why not grow your network? Right.
1: Grow your network, and I, you know, I have people come from accelerators that took ten percent for twenty-five k, provided very little value, and they still go on to do great things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, maybe it wasn't the most optimal decision, but you're going to make a bunch of decisions in the life of your company. Some will be suboptimal. Some will be extraordinarily. Uh, dynamic decisions that benefit, that you get more benefit than the people on the other side of the table. That's just the nature of business.
0: Exactly. Economically, though, if you're going to go to multiple accelerators, come to launch your Techstars last.
1: (laughs) Yes. Get those. (laughs) Yes. We don't want you to delight delude us. (laughs) Exactly. We're the graduate schools in this. Please come let us get credit for you. But I always tell people like, You know, like, do I suggest you go to six? Like, no. I have seen people come to us after four or five, and I'm like, what's up here? Like, are you just a professional graduate degree getter? (laughs) You know, like, there are some people in the world who have four graduate degrees. And like, okay, that's interesting. You really like being in college.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're using it as a fundraising mechanism because you can't fundraise any other way, then... That's, know, a that, that's, what, that's a problem. That's what it tells me when you've been to six, right? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get any the investors. F-
1: the filling of seats was always a problem I had. I know, you know, I will not name the accelerator, but another accelerator that was high profile for a time um, and isn't as much now, like, they were just filling seats. And I would, like, go and I'd be like, they would be just desperately trying to fill seats. And I was like, I told my team, if we have seven extraordinary companies, then we launch the cohort. If we do yeah. not have seven... Insuring companies, I only have four, push it back a month and we'll start a month later and I'll start working with the companies now, but I don't ever want to fire off a cohort where I am not all in on all seven companies, you know? Like it's just better to wait a little
0: bit, you know? It's better to wait. I totally agree. Okay. It's awesome. Great to see you, Jason.
1: Great to see you, brother. Stay safe. Okay. I can't wait to uh, break red with you again and go go to Boulder and we'll hit the kitchen and see Kimball. All right. Uh, I want to come see your house again. Uh, Yeah, come by. I'll have a barbecue. See everybody soon, bye.